This is the Artisan CEO Podcast Season 4 bonus episode. On this episode, I've got some personal news that I have been waiting a really, really long time to share, and it still doesn't quite feel real that I get to share this with you now. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. I'll just come right out with it because you've probably figured it out by now, or maybe you saw the reel that I posted a couple days ago, but I am pregnant. After eight and a half years of waiting, Again, it just feels totally surreal to be able to say that to you now. And even though we've known for two months at this point, I am still so overwhelmed daily by the sweetness of the story that God is telling here. So a lot of you guys already know this. Uh, I actually shared an episode back in May that walked through our journey of infertility right up until the moment where we started the adoption process. And I'll link to that in the show notes if you haven't listened to it and want to give it a listen. But if you didn't hear that one, here's the TLDR version. Matt and I started our journey towards becoming parents in May of 2015, and I specifically, we got our first no on Mother's Day 2015. It was, oh my gosh, I can flash right back to that moment. And I sometimes think to myself, Abby, you were being so dramatic about, you tried for one month and you didn't get pregnant. You are being so dramatic, especially given that I had no idea what was waiting for us over the next eight and a half years. So after several years of negative pregnancy tests and failed fertility treatments, God made it abundantly clear that adoption was the plan for us, that we were being called to the adoption journey. And what a joyful and sometimes tumultuous roller coaster that has been. We have two beautiful boys through the gift of adoption, and I have never loved a role as much as I love being a mom. I've also never been challenged as much in any role as I am by being a mom. But I love this so much more than I ever could have imagined. And I knew I was going to like being a mom. So that's saying a lot. And I love, I love that our family was formed this way. I could never have written a story as intricate and as redemptive as our story has been. I am so grateful for both of our boys, for the opportunity to know their birth families, for the enormous perspective shifts that have taken place over the years through working with an agency and coming to understand the world of adoption and what what might bring somebody to the adoption table in the first place, both on the adoptive family side and then also on the expectant parent side. The adoption process, we talked about this, maybe I talked about that in the episode back in May, maybe I didn't, but the adoption process itself has rocked me to my core and it, in different ways with Felix and then again with Teddy that has changed and softened me in ways that I didn't know that I needed and that I do not think I would have experienced if we hadn't walked down this road. It just, it showed me that my hope and my contentment had been completely misplaced and, and that real lasting hope and contentment, those are found in Jesus, not in my circumstance, not in my situation, not by checking a box or by getting what I think I want or my life unfolding according to my particular plan or timeline, and I would not change any of that, not for the world. It was interesting, something that was said to us more times than I can possibly count during our adoption journey was especially after Felix was born, was, oh, you know, a lot of people adopt and then they get pregnant, like, wink, wink. And I know that those comments were well-meaning. And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I said that to her, it's okay. (laughs) I know they were well-meaning. People were trying to encourage us. But those comments never quite sat right with me because adoption wasn't a second best choice. That was always the Lord's plan that our family was going to be formed in that way. And it just took a little while for that story to unfold. 
And again, I know that people were trying to be encouraging, but when we would get that comment or comments like that, it kind of felt like I had to fight to keep my eyes on the sweetness of our story as it was in that moment instead of maybe holding out expectations for a future circumstance or a future gift. It took a long time for me to release the feelings of entitlement that I held in my tightly clenched fists and to be able to step into the adoption journey with open hands, ready to be content and joyfully satisfied with God's plan for our family instead of clinging to my own and then complaining when things didn't work out exactly how I had initially planned. So by the time our sweet Teddy was born, Felix is our oldest than Teddy, and so by the time Teddy was born, while that desire to be able to experience a pregnancy that had not completely evaporated, because that's a natural human desire, I was at the same time at peace in knowing that this was God's plan for our family. We hadn't totally ruled out potentially seeking medical intervention again, but I was feeling less and less pulled towards that option. And I I guess what I'm trying to illustrate with all of this is that I wasn't waiting with bated breath anymore. After eight and a half years of trying, I had started to feel like the door of opportunity was closing. And while I was sad about that, I wasn't necessarily going to fight to keep that door open anymore. I figured, well, you know, I'm in my mid-30s, which is typically when doctors say that fertility starts to decline. And if it hasn't happened organically by this point, it's probably not going to happen. And I'm going to be okay. I don't need this particular circumstance to change in order for me to be okay and to be whole. I remember thinking six or seven years ago, as we were still new to accepting that title of infertility, I remember looking around the social media landscape and the things that were being said to me and all these stories of women who would like overcome their story, their their journey of infertility or however they want to phrase it. I remember looking around and feeling like I was standing on one side of the Grand Canyon. Like I was on one side and on the other side of this huge chasm were all of these women who had become pregnant and birthed children and they were all calling out to me, it's going to be okay. You'll make it over here at some point and then everything will be okay. You'll get your perfect Instagram bow, exactly what you think that looks like, and then you will be okay. And I remember thinking, well, what if I never make it to the other side? What if I never see two lines on a pregnancy test? Is it possible to still be on this side of the chasm and be okay? Like, do I need to experience pregnancy and biological children in order for me to be content? Because that might never happen. I might never have a baby. Can I be okay without that dream being fulfilled? And ultimately, I realized the answer is yes. Yes, you can be. You can watch a dream pass you by and still be a whole person. If we had waited to feel content and complete until every life dream and desire box was checked, then many of us would be waiting for a very long time, maybe forever. And I didn't want to wait for joy and contentment until I had quote unquote everything I wanted because I knew that that would slowly poison me from the inside out. I didn't want to turn into a bitter, angry shell of a person. You guys know, you've met those people where... There's like a chip on their shoulder and you're like, I wonder what their story is. And I remember talking to women over the last, I mean, I even remember women from my childhood who who were never able to have babies and it was a bitter source of anger for them. And I understand that. I feel that. I get it. I knew that as we suffered sorrow, that I wanted those experiences to soften me, not calcify me. And so I didn't want to turn into an angry, bitter shell of a person while I was waiting for something that I once felt like I was owed 
especially given how little control it turns out I had over the situation. I wanted to be able to feel joy and contentment and peace and kindness in the middle of it. And accepting that I didn't need to wait for my circumstance to change in order to find that was more healing than anything else I read or was told or experienced. Realizing that joy and contentment can be a choice, not just a product of your circumstance. And that joy is found in Jesus, that allowed me to heal, that allowed my heart to heal and allowed me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And that doesn't mean that it's okay or it doesn't bother me or this doesn't hurt, but it means that I wasn't going to act like I was the victim of this particular circumstance any longer and I didn't want to allow it to steal my joy any longer. So that's where we were before I took a pregnancy test on that day in October. I had literally told my Bible study girls, it's a group of four of us that have been meeting on and off for about five years now, maybe longer than that. But I told them on Monday, October 16th, because we had just started a study on prayer, and that was the first week of the study. And during that meeting, we were talking about the purpose of prayer. And I said, during that evening's meetup, I said that I had stopped praying for a pregnancy a long time ago, that I had stopped asking God to change what I had accepted. This was his will. This was his plan for our life. I'm not going to continue asking him to change it because I just, I'm at peace with it. Because one of the devotions that we were reviewing that week was the question of why do we continue to pray when a circumstance hasn't changed? When you ask and you ask and nothing comes of it. And I didn't want to pray for a pregnancy any longer because I thought I knew that that door was closed and continuing to pray and ask felt like holding out hope. Felt like maybe keeping a candle burning. And when hope is unanswered, it feels like you have that much further to fall when the eventual answer is no. And with having waited almost a decade already, I figured it was like a, okay, well, that's never going to happen kind of situation. And then God was like, hold my beer. A week later, I was sitting with Matt on a Sunday night and I casually threw out, you know, I don't remember the last time I got my period. So I pulled out my phone and I started scrolling through my camera roll to see if there was anything that triggered a memory. I looked through my calendar to see if there was like an appointment that I could remember that would clue me in, but I couldn't remember. I was pretty sure that it had been within the last month or so, but I wasn't positive. And I was like, eh, I'll take a test in the morning, just so it's not an unanswered question floating around my mind. Because if you've ever been in that season of waiting, the not knowing is the worst. I cannot tell you how many times during our first few years of trying that I Googled, like, how early can you take a pregnancy test? How accurate is like an early or like a first response pregnancy test at you know, seven days post-conception or 10 days post-conception, whatever. I, that not knowing and you're just in a season of like, I can't know and I, and I have to accept the fact that I can't do anything about that is the worst. So I woke up the next morning and I took a test fully expecting a negative result. And for the first time in my life, there were two lines on that test. And it turned positive so fast. I'm used to waiting the full two minutes to read the result, but this was like right away. And I just sat and stared at it. It was like, six o'clock in the morning, nobody else in the house was up. I just sat and stared at the test and my heart was pumping a mile a minute and I couldn't think, I couldn't process. The only thought that was running through my head was this, this is not possible. Not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But like, no, that is literally, I do not believe this. Obviously, this test is a dud. Um, to be fair, the test was expired. It was only expired by a month, but I figured, well, that is obviously why I got the wrong result. And I know everyone I've recounted this story to is like, Abby, that's not how pregnancy tests work. An older test is going to be more likely to give you a false negative, but a false positive is not really a thing. Either there's HCG in your urine or there's not. <laughs> 
I actually didn't even tell Matt. I took Felix to school, and while I was in the car, I called a doctor friend of mine, and I was like, hey, um, this just happened, but like, obviously that's wrong, right? And bless her. When I asked her what I should do, Marina was like, well, if you're concerned that the test is unreliable, then you should take another test. And I was like, okay, but what if that one's positive? And she was like, well, then we celebrate because that means that God's done something really beautiful. And I was like, no, no, no. But what do I do? Like, who do I call after that? And she was like, oh, you call your OB. I was like, I don't have an OB. (laughs) I haven't needed one in years because my PCP takes care of all of our standard stuff. And she was like, oh, okay, well, if you end up needing the information, then I will send you a referral for for my doctor, and then you can call and get your first appointment set up. So I got home after – I actually didn't even have another pregnancy test, and I didn't want to go out and buy one because I didn't want to tip Matt off that I was gone for longer than I should have been. Not that he, like, keeps track of my time, but if I was gone – he's very astute. If I was gone for more than the, like, 12 minutes that it takes to drop Felix off, he'd be like, everything okay? Like – did you hit a snag or something like that? So I didn't want to tip him off that anything was wrong. And Marina was like, I have a spare pregnancy test in my closet. Like, come on over, grab it, and then, you know, go home and take it. So I got home after school drop-off. I took the test, and the same thing happened. Like, right away, positive results showed up. And it was completely un- unreal. I don't I don't even know how to ex- – it just felt like the like a record scratch moment. Like, the whole world stopped for a second. And I had no way to process – those feelings and I didn't even know what I was feeling and I knew I all I knew was I have to tell Matt immediately I cannot take I can't hold this in Um, no elaborate surprise announcement I just need him to know because he has been waiting for this as long as I have and I did know that I wanted to record his reaction so I was up in the bathroom like staring wide-eyed at this pregnancy test and I just called down I was like uh hey can you open up all the blinds because we close them every night and then open the blinds again I was like, I need, can you open the blinds so that we could have clean natural light? Always thinking like a photographer and bless him. He's so used to me by now. He just figured that I was going to film some sort of instructional video about lighting and post it to my Instagram stories. So when I came downstairs and I was acting kind of weird and flustered, he just goes, where do you want me to sit? And he was thinking like I was going to use him as a model for whatever instructional video I was about to film. So I was like, this is great. Way easier than I thought. He's not suspicious at all. So I sat him down in some clean light and I pulled out my phone and I hit record and I handed him the tests and he was just as gobsmacked as I was in complete disbelief. I shared a small clip of that video in the reel that I posted announcing the pregnancy and it was it was just one of those moments where I fell in love with him all over again. So that was Monday, October 23rd. I had my first appointment a week and a half later and uh, when we got to see a heartbeat on the ultrasound, I sobbed I couldn't believe it I I still almost can't believe that it feels so surreal after wanting and waiting and eventually surrendering that dream after reaching a place of contentment and peace with that unfulfilled dream to now finally having a growing belly and a strip of black and white fuzzy ultrasound shots and and all I can say in response is great is thy faithfulness the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases endures forever But I already knew he was faithful. His faithfulness was no different on Monday, October 23rd than it was on Sunday, October 22nd. And his goodness is no greater today than it was after our fourth failed fertility treatment. He has been faithful over and over and over throughout our story. And this is just a new iteration of his grace and his kindness towards us. And yes, I am experiencing his faithfulness in new colors, but this is the same threads of mercy and steadfast love that he has always exhibited. I'm just seeing it in new shades, which gives me new words to sing praise and new ways to spread the word of come and see what God has done. My friend NJ, when I told her that we were pregnant, the first words out of her mouth were, won't he do it? 
Yes. Yes, he will. So going back to the question that we were examining at that first week of the Bible study on prayer, like what is the point of continuing to pray for something when your circumstance hasn't changed? These last several years have taught me that sometimes when we pray for something, whether that is pregnancy or healing from a disease or for a loved one who's suffering from addiction or substance abuse or maybe you're praying for a new job, whatever it may be, sometimes we pray and the situation changes and sometimes it doesn't. But that prayer never fails to change us, to change our hearts, to make us more and more like Jesus. There's this common notion that God always answers prayers in one of three ways. You can either get a yes or a no or not yet. And it can be tempting when the answer is no or not yet to assume that God didn't hear you or maybe you didn't ask in just the right way or worse, like I felt at the beginning, like I was forgotten. And I promise you, he has not forgotten you. He does not abandon his children. He sent his one and only son to be the atoning sacrifice for us so that we could be called children of God. You are never forgotten and you are never left on your own, not for a second. So sometimes when the answer is no or not yet, your prayers offer up a different kind of transformation. Sometimes they're about what the Father is trying to do in you, the change that he's trying to make to your heart, or softening sharp edges, cultivating contentment, maybe perseverance, compassion, joy, patience, so much more. I remember thinking even just a few months ago, like, God, I learned, I think I've learned what it is that you wanted me to learn. Why is the answer still no? And then to be able to look back on the last almost decade and see the changes that he's wrought in my heart, in our marriage, in our family, and and in the families that our lives have come into contact with, I can tell you that even though it took longer than I had planned for our circumstance to change, and by that I mean by us becoming parents, because us becoming parents by adoption is just as sweet as us having gotten a positive pregnancy test. There is no difference in the goodness and the gift of those two situations. They are both sweet. They are both a blessing. But when I say like, even though it took longer than I had planned for that circumstance of becoming parents to change, that things were by no means stagnant. No one had pressed pause on our life. It may have been less visible and less tangible, but things were moving and maturing and growing, and I would not trade that for anything in the world. I would never change our story. If you're in the season of no or not yet, there is hope. I don't know if your circumstance will ever change. But I do know that your heart will. And I believe that we can choose joy or bitterness, that we can choose peace or anger. We can allow hard circumstances and sorrow to either soften us or calcify us. And I know that even when there is what feels to be something missing in your life or maybe even feels like a gaping hole, that when we make the active conscious choice to turn our eyes towards the beauty of what we have already been given instead of only focusing on what it is that we lack that your heart will be lighter and your days will be warmer if you are still in the wait and it feels all consuming i promise you the sun will shine on your face again and i can't tell you exactly what that's going to look like but i know that when all else fades away my hope never will because it is based on the eternal enduring good news of the gospel The same few questions have come up each time we've had the joy of telling somebody new, so I thought it would be fun to include those here. So firstly, when are you due? June 20th. Very excited about that. How are you feeling? 
I feel great. I am currently 14 weeks at the time of recording, so I am in the second trimester. Had a pretty easy first trimester from what I've gathered from other moms. I was really, really tired, like bone tired by the time 1 p.m. rolled around each day. So lots of naps. Matt was amazing, super supportive and pushing me to sleep in. And that exhaustion definitely affected my productivity. So I learned to let go of my normal work expectations pretty early on. This is probably too much information, but I was also peeing like so much, like four to six trips to the bathroom throughout the night every night. Thankfully, that has subsided somewhat, but I uh, learning how to pace my water intake for, for my long runs has definitely proved tricky, and I have just accepted that I'm going to have to start bringing toilet paper with me from now on. <laughs> Will you find out the gender? Yes, we did the early blood work with my doctor, and we got the results last week. We want to tell our families at Christmas, and then we will share. Do you have any names picked out? Yes, we've got a few, but we are definitely not settled on those just yet. We'll probably wait to share a name until baby's born, probably. Maybe tell our families. I don't know. You know, you get mixed reactions. You tell people what you're going to name baby, and then people feel free to give their thoughts on it versus when you wait, and then you hand them your baby, and you say, this is my baby, and their name is blah. Then people can't really say anything because it's a done deal. So who knows? We'll see. Uh, how did the boys react? Okay, well, Sweet Teddy is only... 19 months so it doesn't really seem to register with him I, I don't think he's gonna get it until baby's here which is fine but Felix our four-year-old he reacted better than I expected so grateful for that we waited to tell our boys until after the first appointment and Felix immediately warmed to the idea he told me his preference on gender and we've been trying to communicate gently that mama has no control over that aspect of things were you trying or was it a complete surprise this one always makes me laugh uh the answer is yes both I mean we weren't not trying, but after eight and a half years of the answer being no, we didn't have any illusions about being able to conceive on our own anymore. I had assumed that uh, if we wanted to pursue a biological child that we were going to need to speak with an IVF clinic. Um, we hadn't met with a fertility doctor since our last failed IUI in 2017. So yes, it was a total surprise. I no longer thought it was possible, but then again, won't he do it? <laughs> Will you keep running? Yes. Funny, but... I had run a 10K on the morning of that Sunday when I realized I couldn't remember the first day of my last period. And you would think that I would have felt something off, like being in tune with my body, that I would have felt something being off. But I was still totally surprised. So I have a, a half marathon in February. Actually, it's a 5K on a Friday, a 10K on Saturday, and the half marathon on Sunday, but who's counting? And I will be 23 weeks along at that point. Um, that was like one of the first things I looked up, like, can I still run my Disney half marathon? <laughs> Uh, about So I'll be about five months pregnant. And my doctor said that as long as it doesn't feel like I have a bowling ball on my bladder with each step of my run, that I should be fine to do it, provided that I'm being smart about training and staying hydrated and all of that. I'm also doing Michelle Marie's program, Fit Mom to Be. I'm doing that on my non-running days. I have never liked going to the gym, uh, but we got some hand weights uh, off of Facebook Marketplace. Love Facebook Marketplace. I got a stability ball and some resistance bands, and I'm actually really enjoying doing those workouts in our garage. Um, I also bought Michelle Marie's protein shake powder because it's got the same vitamins and minerals as a prenatal vitamin, and I much prefer that to choking down those horse pill varieties. Uh, have you had any cravings? So I this is funny. Bef like, I mean, in the past few years, Matt's like, if you ever do get pregnant, I am so interested to see what your cravings are because I already had weird cravings. Um, so I haven't had anything super strange, but I have been gravitating towards really salty foods, mainly cornichon, those vinegary little pickles that you see on charcuterie boards. I can eat half a jar of those in one sitting, no problem. I, I think I've actually done a full jar 
at one time. And I'm not proud of that per se, but that is one thing I'm happy to blame on changing tastes and hormones. I've also really enjoyed Zing Zang Bloody Mary mix with a bunch of ice and half a lime squeezed into it without the vodka, obviously. It is so good. On the other side of things, I've kind of gone off coffee, which I guess is good. I mean, I wasn't drinking a ton of it beforehand, but I'm enjoying tea way more these days than I was in the past. This question always surprises me. Do you like your doctor? I've gotten asked that one quite a few times, and I'm guessing it's from from moms who like didn't necessarily drive with their doctor. So I appreciate when people ask that question because I'm like, oh, it's normal to go in and maybe feel like it's not quite the right fit. Um, so I had two appointments with the OB that my friend Marina recommended, and she that that particular OB seemed like a really experienced professional, definitely a straight shooter, which is exactly what I love about my primary care physician. He's the same way. But I was really interested in learning more about midwives who do hospital deliveries. So I had an appointment with a midwife uh, from a different practice last week, and I really liked her. So I think I'm going to try to go that route, but we'll see how things progress. <laughs> How did your families react? Oh my gosh, they have been so freaking happy for us. They they obviously know our story. They've been praying for this for years, praying when I couldn't ask God for it anymore because I just couldn't carry that kind of hope any longer. My sweet dad, when we told him and my mom, because they were the first family members we told, when we told them, my dad immediately stood up and was like, can we just stop and like praise the Lord right now? And then his voice broke while he was praying and it was so sweet. That sister Becky, we told Matt's siblings at Thanksgiving. She burst into tears as soon as we told them, which was like, I was, I couldn't wait to tell Becky because I knew, I knew how excited she would be. And it's been so much fun telling friends as we've seen them in person because I've kept it under wraps online. But like pretty much anybody I run into in person, I'm like, oh my gosh, let me tell you, look what the Lord has done. I'm pregnant. And like just being, having that joy of telling people in person has been amazing. So I ended up telling my client Becca on set at her brand shoot, which felt like a huge risk because I was only seven weeks, only seven weeks along, but I was, Catherine, my stylist was on set and Denna, my assistant, both of them knew. And so it just ended up coming up in conversation on set. And dear Becca, she cried tears of joy for me. We had to stop her brand shoot for a second. It was such a precious moment. Just seeing evidence of people who've held out joy on our behalf because they know our story and they can see the enormity of what God is doing here. And even telling people at my mastermind in November to see how many of them would celebrate with us. It's been so beautiful. So that is where we are at these days. And furthermore, that is why the podcast all of a sudden dropped off in mid-October because I was so ridiculously tired and I had such little capacity for anything that didn't involve a client deadline or a launch schedule. I was majorly triaging our workload and the podcast was just lower on the list of urgent tasks than, you know, like making sure my clients got their galleries on time or making sure we got our Black Friday, Cyber Monday emails out mostly on time. (laughs) So I've definitely bounced back in terms of energy, at least for now. So, and I'm like aware that'll that'll probably change. But I am looking forward to hitting the ground running again with new episodes of the Artisan CEO podcast in January. This definitely changes our plan for next year. Um, we have marked off the entire summer for maternity leave, which is, I'm so excited for that. In the past, we've, um, like with Felix, we had 10 weeks heads up and we're only able to schedule a few weeks of maternity leave. And with Teddy, we had 28 hours of notice between the time that we were we got the call and when he was placed in our arms. And maternity leave was like very, very, very short with Teddy. Um, so to be able to like have, you know, like an eight-month runway to get ready for that is just a foreign concept to me. Uh, so we've marked the whole summer off for maternity leave. I'm so excited for that. And we've got plans for an in-person event in March. That'll be our first one since 2018. Details on that are going to go out to our Brand Photography Academy students first next week, and then we will share with the rest of our list in early January. 
So that's where we're at these days. If this episode encouraged you and you know somebody who would be better off for having listened to it, I would be so grateful if you would share this with them. But I'll say this, share with care. If you have a friend who is currently walking the road of infertility or it's like a recent wound, I might ask them if I were you if they're open to listening to it before you send the link. I'm always so grateful to friends who show care and sensitivity to us when it comes to stories of pregnancy or, uh, you know, pregnancy after long seasons of infertility. And, And I hope that this episode can be a source of joy to somebody you know. Thanks for letting me into your ears to share our story, friend. I am so grateful. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace, and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?